welcome to... Um, is this Flyerside Chat or Frequent Flyerside Flyer? Chat. Flyerside Flyer Chat. Chat. I know these are my shows and I came up with the names and all, but I for life me can never keep them straight which one is which. Oh well, it happens. Well, when you have 19 podcasts. Uh, that doesn't help. <laughs> It is uh, Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021 here, and uh, Shane is back, ready to uh, give his spicy takes about the Flyers, I guess. Spicy takes. Spicy, spicy. Look, I'm going to infuriate all of Flyers Twitter. Oh, that's what I do best. That's By okay. being honest. Yes. Yeah. By that's being usually all it takes. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um... I don't like to come on this show and, and say I was right very often. That's that's really not me, I, I swear. <laughs> but um a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of Flyers Twitter was planning their Stanley Cup parade route um over the weekend after they beat the Sabres back to back. And oh it's the greatest thing ever and Stanley Cup, here we come and we're getting our fucking seats ready down in Patterson and Broad. And then they uh you know, shit the bed against the Penguins, and all of a sudden they went from Stanley Cup contenders to it's time to burn the whole franchise down and start again. You know, I uh, I, I just tried to... I, two wins against the Sabres didn't do much for me. My junk didn't move even a little bit. You know, it's it just it, nothing. I was Okay, it's against the Sabres, but let's see this against a real team. Well, they faced a real team who's technically below them in the standings with a lot on the line. They didn't even have Sidney Crosby! And the Penguins went out there and kicked their asses into their ass. Yeah. Uh, look, if you're getting hard over a back-to-back wins uh, against the Buffalo Sabres, <laughs> I, I got nothing for you. Like, uh, look, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say because it isn't. None of this is lost on me that that some of the things that we needed to see start to change. It happened. They're getting. They're finally getting shots, you know, through, which is, you know, a win. Um, making those scoring chances, I think, legitimate scoring chances, is the next thing for the offense. But at its core, this team is still a horrendous defensive team. Um, they, they do absolutely nothing to help Carter Hart. They, they really do nothing to help, you know, Brian Elliott. And you can't have that guy, you know, in net, you know, splitting time 50-50 with him. He's gonna die. Um, the, the core issues, the biggest things here, they're still there and shift yourself into Pittsburgh, Sydney Crosby, let's or not. And, uh, you're, you're not going to win that series and we got to play them two more times in a row, you know? So this is fucking awesome. Just really excited to talk Flyers hockey. <laughs> I can tell they, uh, they did get 42 shots on goal last night, which is the most they've put on net all season. Uh, they've had four consecutive games of 38-plus shots, 39, 39, 38, 42 in their last four games dating back to the Rangers, uh, which is four, I believe they've only had two times previous to that season to uh, where they put 30-plus shots on goal. So six of their 18 games or whatever it is, <laughs> they have successfully outshot their opponent. But they have been getting shots, but... When I found out they took 42 shots to the Penguins 27 last night, I was baffled because it certainly didn't feel like that. It, no. That, it, 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 the first period was fine, but after that, holy shit, it never felt like they had control of that game. Yeah, it was bad. It's, again, like good teams. So th- this was this was part of the argument for some of Flyers' Twitter throughout the first 14, 15 games of the season. It wasn't how many shots. It was the quality of those shots. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and you can win a lot of games if, if you're only – 
putting 18, 22 shots a night uh, on net, but 16 of them are, are legitimate scoring chances. Like that is that's a, a high intensity to match uh, as an opposing hockey team. Last night, I, I mean, yeah, first period, uh, pretty strong for for the most part in terms of you know generating legitimate scoring chances. Um, you know, but again, the, the I would say the last 33, 34 shots of that game, like I don't really know how many legitimate scoring chances were there, whereas Pittsburgh with their 26, 27 shots in the night, it felt like they generated 55 scoring chances. Yeah. That's why it felt so one-sided. When you look at those numbers, for those of you who love them, um, you know, it doesn't tell the full story. Um, you know, and this was last night was a perfect example of, you know, putting 42 shots, you know, quote unquote on net is not enough. Speaking of some other numbers that people uh, seem to willingly ignore, the power play, 0 for 5 last night, 0 for 10 uh, through both Buffalo Sabres games and the Penguins. They haven't scored since the Rangers. They are 4 for their last 44, dating back to January 28th, which is 12 games ago, and just 12 for 68 <clears throat> on the season. Three of those <laughs> three of those 12 came in the first two games against the Penguins. This is piss poor on the power play. For what it's worth, they have gotten a lot better when they get set up. However, they don't typically get set up very often. They're, they can't enter the zone. You know? They're struggling getting to the fucking blue line, let alone setting anything up. There is some movement. They have gotten better when they get the opportunity, but that opportunity is one every three or four games, it seems like. They're, they've been allergic to the exact same things for several seasons now. Um, get Look, getting into the zone and establishing possession and, and looking like the team legitimately has the advantage, that's just not the flyers. It's just not what they do. Touch passes, never fucking heard of them. I am going to receive <laughs> the puck and I'm going to look you dead in the fucking eye for like seven <laughs> seconds before I say, nah, that's the appropriate time to try to cross-rank pass. No. like the, Sure, we are generating movement, but it, it like they're... I made the comment to uh, to a buddy of mine where I brought baseball into it. And I was like, Pat Burrell always had these useless stats, and we always talked about that. Well, all these people talking about, oh, well, they are moving the puck on the power play. Are they moving it like with like <laughs> any like decisiveness and, no. and quick trigger? Because you have you have you look you're you're up the player. You have to make them move as much as possible. Establish like. These just drop it back to whoever's running the blue line, dropping it down to the half wall, back and forth, back and forth. You're not creating any movement. Now you got JVR just standing down there waiting with his dick in his hand. And by the way, his dick is huge this year. <laughs> Get something on net. It's unbelievable. Generate some sort of lane. You can't do it by just sitting there and you know just thumbing these passes to one another up, uh, up at the top. There's just not enough movement, not enough quick decisions. It's just bad. They're just not a good hockey team. I've used well, the example the in the play. past. I used the example where when I'm sitting on my couch here in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and I can tell you who's going to get the pass next and what they're going to do, you the other fucking team knows, right? Like, yep. of course they know. It's going to go to Voracek, then it's going to go to Prover at the point, then to Giroud, try to get it over to Voracek. Voracek's going to drop pass to fucking nobody. It's going to go back. It's going to be a short man rush the other way. You know, it's like. Like clockwork. It's so goddamn predictable that anybody that does even a little bit of homework on the team has it figured out. They do. They've done nothing new. Like no. they're and first of all, like you're you're, you're not regenerating or reinventing anything with any power plays. There's only so many things that you really can do. So you do have to be 
decisive in those movements. But I have two things there. One, I don't think that there's any ever been, at least in the last five years, we'll, we'll say, a flyer who can consistently, uh, you know, chip a pass from their back end of the blue line and actually get it through. Knock it down, odd man rush, lose possession, kicks it out of the zone, always going to happen second. And I love Claude Giroux. I very rarely say a bad thing about him. And pretend, maybe last night the puck was rolling on his stick. I don't know. But we had gotten it to, now you know, I think it was like the double power plays coming out of the period there. Um, and a rebound came back out to him. Jari out of the net. Everything to shoot at. And he sat there and waited out for another pass. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell happened there. He had all the net in the world. Now, again, maybe the puck was rolling. I didn't see the replay clear enough. Uh, but like that to me, like that's something. You got everything worked out right. You finally got, they left a rebound out there. Goaltender's out of position. You got defenders with their backs to you. No one can make the appropriate read. And for whatever fucking reason, it was more important to try to feed a pass across the ice. I don't, I just don't get it. You were in the slot with a wide open net. And the only two people producing offense have been, I guess, three JVR, Couturier, and Faraby line. And, you know, JVR is useful in the power play, but he's the recipient of the power play, not the one setting it up. Faraby is fine. He's a really good shot, but he's not overly charismatic in terms of his movements, you know, to kind of run the power play by himself. And Sean Couturier is another one of those guys that rather would sit in front of the net than go out there and be the point guy or work on the wings. They don't have anybody dynamic enough anymore. Giroux used to be that guy, and he can still be good from time to time, but it's like there's nobody in the organization that can fill that role on the opposite wing. You know, they've been putting Provorov on the wing lately, but Sanheim was running the point last night. What a fucking mistake that is, by the way, giving that guy any kind of potential time to run the power play. But it's like, fuck, there's just, it's so stale. They need to find like three or four players specifically that can work on the power play with some kind of energy and charisma to go out there and make something happen because this stale bullshit isn't working. How many assistant coaches have they been through? You know, like three different people have ran this power play since 2010, and it's the same goddamn thing they've been doing, you know? They fired the one coach who knew what the fuck they were doing forever. Mm. It's unbelievable to me that that six years ago that that occurred. That's ridiculous. Five years ago, whenever it was. Um, But no, I mean, you said it, dude. Like, to me, first of all, we're back in that place where there's every night there's a flyer or two who are getting like four to seven minutes of ice time, like fuck right off with that. That is a useless body out there. If, if that is what you're going to do, go out and acquire a specialist and allow that to own, to be there in the entirety of their function on this team. Maybe they get three, four or five shifts and I, you know, outside of that, but let them drive some creativity there and some decisiveness. I'm going to use that word all fucking night because it looks like they have no idea what they're doing. Um, and look, they may not because they are, they're interchanging pieces out there a lot. They had the COVID thing, uh, for a bit. I don't think that they have a true, a true person, uh, you know, along that blue line that is smart with the puck. Uh, I think it's a big ask for a guy like Provorov who is playing 30 minutes a night to sit there and also take specialty time where I, I just, to me, you start to see some last night was a bad defensive game for him. Um, and I, I got to think that some of those minutes eventually um, eventually catch up to, you You know, like find someone that, that, that can generate the chemistry. I do still think Giroux, by the way, his first game back from COVID break. I, I, I mean, like he looked like one of his best in quite some time. <clears throat> he was awesome. It was I mean, I swear he had like eight to ten scoring chances himself. 
Um, so I know that that's there, but it's it's finding the the pieces uh, that that speak the same language as him. Uh, and I don't think that he's had that in a really really long time here. Um, you know, I, I I don't think Jake is the answer on, on the other wall. Um, he had that chemistry with Ghost, but Ghost right for the last oh several years. Oh my God, Shane uh, Gostisbehar! I I awful. hate I hate Shane Gossiper, and it pains me to say that. I was his biggest fan when he first showed up. I loved him. He was something oh, different, unique, special, great. And now, for some reason, because he had that one good year like five years ago now, he is just, uh, people, all last night, oh, we're going to give him a pass. Like, he single-handedly lost that game. <laughs> and he just, oh, it's fine. He'll Handful bounce back. He had a few good games before this. It's fine. I'll turn around. Like, I've never seen a guy in this entire city Gets so much credit despite being so goddamn bad. Usually, you, we this city turns on everybody except Everyone. Shane Gostas Bear. For whatever reason, a vast majority of these people are just willing to give him chances. Oh, it's a few bad. He had a 65 point year three fucking years ago. He'll turn it around sooner or later. God, it drives me nuts. He sucks when he's on his game, which we've seen for at least little bits Flashes. and pieces of this season, you know, he's a decent defenseman, maybe a number four at absolute best. Like, he's not like he's fucking, uh, you know, Victor Edmund out there in his good nights and, you know, they're going to spend But holy shit, when he's bad, he is bad. And we saw it firsthand last night of what the worst of Shane Gossesbear can finally be. That is a guy who, if you built an actual defense and you got rid of some of the dead weight here, that if he was the specialty guy and his yes. 80% of his time on ice yep. was just on the power play and he could focus solely on that, he might be okay. You, no one no one would have the issues that, that they have. Well, you know, those who have the issues with them, the sane people, the correct people, the people <laughs> who watch hockey. Uh, um, you know, I, I feel like, the, like there is a world where he fits. But if that is the case, you need two, arguably three new defenseman beyond him and you're not doing that like it's, you can't you can't fix an entire defense in in one deadline it's just not going to happen it uh yeah their defense is is just brutal right now Provorov, excuse me been a lot of talk about where he falls uh, on the team and there are a lot of people claiming that he's not a number one guy and he's in a weird spot I don't I don't think he's a number one as in one of the elite of the elite in the league. You know, he's not a Victor Hedman or Drew Doughty or, you know, Peak Eric Carlson or anything like that. But he's he's just the tier below that. But he's out there more or less alone on the blue line right now. Sanheim has had a wishy-washy season. Phil Myers has not had a great year whatsoever. We all know Ghost sucks. And Braun Hinton, Hagen, Gus is it, are just warm bodies at this point. You know, he's <clears> so <throat> far above everybody else, but being dragged down because he can't... He's not the guy that can dominate a game by himself. And, you know, we talked about this all goddamn summer long about... You know, why are they replacing Matt Niskanen? Oh, well, Sanheim's going to uh, develop and Myers is going to develop. And it's like, I, I don't think Fletcher willingly ignored the blue line like Ron Hextall did. You know, really, I, I think it was more 
it wasn't neglect as much as it was. He just put too many eggs in the baskets of the players that he thought were coming back. You know, the the further development of Myers and Sandheim and a forward, you know, Lindblom and Patrick returned. Like, I can do it. I can carry it. And that just didn't fucking happen. Now it's biting him square in the ass. And now you have no choice but to go out and find somebody, at least one person at the deadline, to help just try and salvage whatever the hell you got going on back there because they suck so bad right now. Yeah, going on the Provorov thing, I use the comparison of Andre Godala, who, by the way, is my favorite 76er in the history of, of their organization. Um, Andre Godala, when he was when he was Robin to, to Allen Iverson, guy's scoring 20 points a night. He's filling the stat sheet. He's a, he's a walking triple-double threat in a time where triple-doubles were not super common. Um, the guy just, he was good at everything. He was not bad at a single thing, but there was nothing sexy about him outside of his insane athleticism, dunking ability. Provorov is that. Yeah. Provorov is not elite in any particular category, but he is well above average in literally everything on the ice. Um, but that well above average does not put you in an elite tier, and you can't view that guy as a a shutdown, lockdown, number one defenseman on any team in hockey. We've seen the, the absolute best of, of Provorov when he does have a guy that can sit there and shoulder some of that load and, and have some consistency with him there. And again, I, I don't think that he is a guy that should be playing. Like him and Drew for the last four years are guys that are playing, doubling up on uh, on specialty units and then all the ice time that they were you know, taking uh, at even strength as well. I just don't think it behooves guys like them. Claude for his age. Uh, and then Provorov, it's just a tall task when you are a really, really good hockey player and not an elite one. Um, and uh, and I think this is a tough city to to, to to try to make anybody do that in. Um, if it were me, you know, I, I don't know. There was, a, there was a fairly sexy piece, two of them in the offseason, uh, this past one, that we just decided, nah, we're good here. Um, if those bodies come around again, if that opportunity comes around again, Maybe now you see how badly you need an elite person to sit up there and fill at least one of your pairings with a who, player X and Provorov and then worry about everything else. If you have 28 to 30 minutes a night with that pair, significantly better than where you're at right now. Yeah, and uh, we had we had Fluto Shinzawa on the show the other day who covers the Bruins. And we were asking about their approach to the trade deadline. And totally unprompted, he brought up Matthias Eckholm. <laughs> hey, yeah, the Bruins, hey, yeah, we're, they're probably going to go in on somebody like him. And, you know, I think that's the important thing to remember here is not only is it a weird trade to work out for the Flyers due to the, the cap reasons, but there are going to be a lot of teams interested in a 30-year-old you know, leader on the blue line, still playing very good hockey, who's only making, what, $3.7 million. Like, it's not going to be as easy as just going out and picking him up. You know, I wrote a piece today about, you know, Fletcher looking back at some of his previous deadlines with the Wild, which are fucking underwhelming, to say the least, and what he did last year <laughs> with, with uh, uh, Grant and Thompson. And it's like, it, does this guy have the balls to, to, to go out there and make the necessary additions? You know, you mentioned this past offseason. There were like half a dozen defensemen that would have been perfect ads for the Flyers. No, you don't need them. We're good. We're fine. You know, oh, we got an expansion. Okay, we got this. We got that. It's just you can't worry about the expansion draft when you you're just waste you're pissing away a full another year 
of these guys, while Giroux and Voracek and JVR, and like they're all getting older. You know, this is last the last year of Carter Hart's ELC. You're gonna have to pay him next year. And granted, it probably won't be a whole lot, but fuck, you know, <laughs> you're, you're wasting your opportunities here. Like this is just a continuation of Ron Hextall. You did the, just with the JVR thing with Kevin Hayes. Yeah, I had a good summer two years ago with Kevin Hayes and, and Braun and Niskanen, and he's riding that wave now. And if he doesn't do anything at the deadline, ah, that's fine. I'll be fine with the offseason. They'll go into the playoffs. You know, right now, two of the three teams in the playoffs above them are the Bruins and Islanders. The Bruins have had their number all goddamn season, and they haven't played against the Islanders well in, like, years at this point. <laughs> you know? Like, is it that what, is that what this is going to take? They're going to make the playoffs and then just get curb stomped by the Bruins? Oh, shit! Well, they tried. But, you know, the positive people are going to, but Daniel, it's the first time they made the playoffs back-to-back for the first time in ten years. Well, who gives a flying fuck if you just go in Doesn't and matter get your teeth kicked out? Yeah! <laughs> Yeah, man. I nice rant, by the way. The Thank energy you. that you have, despite 19 podcasts a week, is in, just incredibly impressive. <laughs> um, look, I, I so I was a person who I am always co- overly cognizant when you have unique situations coming up. So if you if you have collective bargaining agreements and there's potential strike possibilities in any sports uh, with the expansion draft here. I am overly cognizant of that, and I do. I sit here and I look at those things, and I look at the full picture. You know, and I say, all right, well, there are certain things that you you do need to protect, and, and there are certain pieces of your identity that you need to figure out a unique way to to ensure that they are here beyond this unique circumstance. Uh, that being said, who on this roster are you so in love with that you wouldn't be willing to part ways with? Absolutely, no one. Like you could argue Hart because goaltenders are, are, are where goaltenders are. Um, you know, when you finally get one with some promise, you do want to ride that out. Uh, um, you know, so I'm not sitting here saying like I'd willingly move on from Hart. I wouldn't. Um, but again, outside of that obvious piece there, or maybe Provorov, maybe Couturier, maybe you take a look at this lineup. Like we're not winning with them. We're not winning a Stanley Cup with, with the lineup as it right now. So who are you so fucking in love with that you are not willing to see? get picked up somewhere that you're not willing to ship out in a deal to acquire a very reasonably priced top pair defenseman. Like who on this team are you not willing to move right now? I fail to see it. And I think that when you plan an entire off season like that, and then you give them the first half of the season and you look at it and you say, well, shit, we are still a very flawed fucking hockey team. Our blue line is absolutely terrible. Our offense is patchy at best power play stinks. We got to do something and I got to have the fucking courage. One thing that I try to keep in mind is that when pe- when longer tenured executives leave, whatever the, their previous stop was, and you have the opportunity to go ahead and, and walk into a new situation, you're not naive or tone deaf to the things that, that that previous city or your sport has said about you and what you do. He is not an overly sexy guy at a deadline. This might be the team and roster that allows you the freedom to do it. We are so deep with with young potential pieces. Move some of them. Get out there. Wave your dick around. Let's see what happens. I, I ask, how are these people attached to people? I've fucking been asking that question for years. You know, the fact that people love Shane Gostas Bears still, or they they overvalue people like Travis Sanheim or Konechny, and it's like, Sanheim eats my ass. I hate that guy's face. Thank you. So do I. <laughs> it's just like, I just don't understand 
there's not a single person on this team, if they traded away tomorrow, I wouldn't care. Even Carter Hart, if you got fair market value for Carter Hart and brought in, like, Shesterkin or something, who gives a shit? You know, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not attached to any of these people. I just want to win a goddamn cup, you know? Yeah. And I often say I'm not a fan, and, like, I don't know if I... I don't consider myself a fan because I don't care. I try and approach this as if this were a business, and your ultimate goal is to win a fucking cup, and what do you have to do to get there? I don't give a shit. I haven't had a favorite player on this team in at least 10 years, probably 15 <laughs> by now, you know? Like... Just win me a cup. Who gives a shit? Well, we can't trade Stanley. He's only 24. And he's got a ceiling, Daniel. He's not there yet. I don't care. It's been 250 games over the fuck he's at. Like, he's not going to get much better than he is now. Well, he may break out. He very well may break out, but who cares? Go get somebody who's already there. I've had this conversation with the Eichel people quite a few times. Every time I uh, hear his trade, I always plug that. That guy looks for disinterested people. in fucking life. Oh, yeah. He's, he, he's fucking ready to blow his brains out. I would, too, if I lived in Buffalo and played for them. But That's like, fair. <laughs> like, people like that, 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 I don't even know where I was going at this point. I totally lost my train of thought. Thanks, Shane. But um, Sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know. Fucking well, I don't overvaluing know, fans. Yeah, go ahead. Take this away while I compel yeah, myself. <laughs> you, you have to you, just take a breather over there, right? Take another <laughs> sip or whatever. You have to run a cost-benefit analysis. If you want to run this like a business and, and that's the philosophy you have to to take into this thing, it is a cost-benefit thing. You do have to sit there and weigh, all right, if I move this piece, you know, what am I losing from this? But what is the potential game? Am I going to be okay with in three years when Sandheim – might be a second pair guy who is consistent as a second pair. There's value to that. Don't get me wrong. But am I cool with with seeing that in three, four years because what I brought in exceeds that value? Yes. Yes. Win a fucking cup. Make the decisions you have to make because you're right. And there are certain pieces throughout. And I guarantee you, you say you're not attached to anyone. If Drew's hoisting that cup, you're you're crying. I'm oh crying. yeah, I'm fucking crying. It's amazing. The guy, longest tenured athlete in the city, uh, he's either woefully underappreciated or, or woefully overvalued. It doesn't matter how you look at him, uh, but but regardless, there's so much emotion tied to that player. But ultimately, outside of that one moment where he takes the cup, lifts it over his head, he's then turning it over to another fucking body, because it's twenty guys out there on the ice. It's six coaches behind the bench right there. It's executives. It's everything. You can't get tied down to these players. And look, if, if living in Philadelphia, if you can't realize that after the Carson Wentz drama that just went down, I don't know what – how do you fall in love with anyone? No one is here forever. It just doesn't happen in sports these days. You are here to win a championship. As a fan, you, you put your stock in, in whatever it takes to get to that game or series in this particular case. As a as a lifelong Flyers fan, like I was brought up not being attached to players because they never played here for a long period of time. You know, most guys throughout the early mid two thousands played, you know, twenty, thirty games, then got traded away. <laughs> you know, this entire roster as constructed has been here for like ten years now. You know, Raffle, Lawton, Giroux, Voracek, um, like all these fucking people. All right, Raffle can't go anywhere. I love Raffle. So do I. But, like, God, they've been here forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And the front office and fan base alike are like, eh, one more year, they got this, we'll give it time, guys. And then it bites them in the ass. And they sit there, oh, shit. And then another offseason comes by, another superstar becomes available. No, we don't need him. Sanheim will develop soon enough. And it's like, 
How many times do we need to be taught the same fucking lesson before something changes? For, I I feel like, a good 11, 12 years or so, you sat there and you you looked at the the 76ers of the the early to mid-2000s, and you said, all right, like, there's some talent here. Like, there's a bit here, we're talking especially after the Iverson move. We are always going to make the playoffs here. We're going to be a 6th, 7th, or 8th seed. And unless Derek Rose tears his ACL, we're never getting past the second round. This is just who we are. And eventually, some brilliant man, Sam Hankey, comes in here and he says, all right, no, we have, there has to, we have to speak truth to this stupidness. We have to walk in here and we have to make real change. And he changes the Change the thought philosophy all across sports, mind you, in the tanking world and industry. At a certain point, you hit that moment in your brain. You say, it's been a decade. It's been a decade of trying to win with the pieces that we we acquired from pieces we never should have shipped out. You don't know us. You lost. You lost those moves. All right. Those guys went out and they won cups elsewhere. Stop, cut your losses at a certain point. It's been a fucking decade with these guys. And I love them, most of them. Like, I, I enjoy them. And, and would I love for them to win in Philadelphia? Of course. But if they got moved tomorrow, I'm not losing any fucking sleep. In fact, I might sleep better. <laughs> the Flyers may play better. I get some goddamn happy sleep rather than going to no, bed. I just get to watch, night. get to watch something else. Someone else sucks. Someone else not speak the same language as someone they're sharing a line or a pair with. It's unbelievable how you can spend a decade with, with each other all playing arguably at least a season of hockey with every other person on that team sharing a line or pair and still look like they don't speak the same fucking language on the ice. It's, it's unbelievable. You have to try to have that four of communication. Outside of Hazen Braun, who the fuck even is like new on this team? Anybody? Let me pull up the uh, <laughs> official Who's thing new? Who's new? Who hasn't been here for 15 years? Gustafson. Gustafson. Here's one. Piece of shit. Uh, Giroux's been here forever. Voracek's been here forever. Hayes is new. Kind of. JVR, even he's been here for like three years on his second journey. Travis Konechny, I believe this is his fourth or fifth year. Kateri's been here for fucking ever. Lindblom, young, but he's, what, two, three years under his belt now. Lawton's been here for fucking ever. Roffel's been here for fucking ever. Abikabel's been in the system forever. Which, why the hell was he... I, I don't whatever. Oh, we're going to get into who's the fucking... Why? Why? It finally looked like he got his legs under him the last few games. And then, ah, we got to sit him. We got fucking Travis Connecting's worthless ass coming back in the lineup. We got to sit him. No, 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 we got, no, we got to play Nolan Patrick. He fucking, we got more chances for Nolan Patrick. But let's fucking sit the one guy that brought some energy to the lineup. Against the Penguins. A physical guy, no less. A, a dumbass. You're only I mean, physical bottoms, I mean, he is going to take two or three bad penalties a night, uh, especially in big games. It's kind of who he is. But again, like th- there is value to who he is, and especially in a three-game series such as this one. Um, I don't get it, man. I, I just I, – I don't get it. Um, I also – the TK thing is – all right. Hand in the air here again. Moment of honesty. I just said that I, I, there, I wouldn't, yeah, you know, I wouldn't get attached to any particular player, and and I still think that I'm right about this. By the way, I'm going to preface all this by this: I did not want Lion A on the off season, and I, I still stand by that. Uh, but my biggest thing was people were saying, you know, like you have a guy developing who never going to be Lion A, 
but he was developing in a way that, that made sense to your offense. And I was like, no need to mess this up. He's affordable. He's not $10 million. So you're then going to have to turn around and give an additional contract to. I'm cool with this. Holy fuck. Was I in that one instance and in part of that, that potential deal incorrect. Uh, what, I don't, what the fuck happened to him? Like, I just don't get it. I think he's a guy, and we just talked about it with Provorov and Sandheim, like, he's a guy that in the right scenario can be carried to a good beneficiary role. You know, he can do things when he's set up to do so, but if you just drop him in the middle six, which realistically it's what he is, is, you know, a second or third line right wing, like, and he's not playing with Giroux and Couturier at their absolute peak, he's just a dude. You know, he, he yeah. doesn't bring anything overly special to the table. You know, he's kind of physical, but not really. He's a, got a decent shot, but doesn't always take it. You know, he racks up all the points that he has over the last few years because he was riding shotgun with the Giroud and Couturier, who were thus giving him the benefit of the, you know, uh, the, the beneficiary of the points. And That's the problem. Now that he's not in that role, you know, for most of this season, he's just a dude. When the fuck was the last time he scored a goal? Has he scored a goal since that hat trick earlier in the year? I don't know the one that the, the accidental hat trick where he kicked two of them in. I don't know. <laughs> um, look, there is creativity to him. Like there is like put on a flyer sweater and the, this disease and plague of passiveness comes upon you and it, it caught up to him. And, and he is not that guy. Like there's especially when you take a look of, at a guy who is a total pest like TK. The fact that passiveness is now caught up to him as well is infuriating to me. Like, what happens in these locker rooms? What happens w with the communication here between these guys, between now three rounds of coaches where you sit there and you say, I, 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 I'm not going to shoot the puck today. I'm not going to make the, the smart pass. I'm going to make the dumb extra pass over here. Like, what happens there? I don't fucking understand it. Like, TK, you've seen moments of creativity with him. You've seen s some real dangles and some moves and power moves for a little guy. And it's just gone away. I, I just, I can't explain it. I can't, I can't explain anything on this fucking roster. His last goal was January 21st against Boston, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, only eight games for him because he missed two weeks with COVID. Uh, he's pointless in his last six. He's had one assist against the Devils on January 26th. He's got five goals and what, three assists on the year. Three of those five goals came in the second game of the season. Just, just completely worthless right now. I think you're right, man. Like I, I mentioning riding the coattails, you someone has to to, to take that Joel Embiid esque leap. Like someone has to take the definitive next step in yes. their progression to say you are more than just a dude. And even take a look at, at, at JVR. Like JV, I mean, this year JVR is, is is definitely different. A hand in the air again. Fuck, he's fine. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we were sitting here trying to scheme ways in. To get this man his points, we were putting slow ass JVR, throwing him up there with with, with closure or dropping closure down. Like we, we were doing all these different things to bring something out of a guy. How about sack up, get out there on the ice and play your style of hockey, man? Like don't be so passive. Do the things that got you to where you're at. I don't. I do not understand it. We we cannot. We don't have enough top end talent to sit here and say, all right, well, well look, we're just going to shift you up and put you with player X and Y because they might bring this thing out of you that, that the other 16 guys on the roster cannot bring out. It's unbelievable to me that we have to cater to that up and down with everyone. I mean, we're... T 
TK, Nolan Patrick. I mean, Oscar Lindblom is, I still think, a very unique situation. I'm not ready to sit there and rip anything on that. But um, but up and down the roster, man, like there, there is no true Batman on this team. Like, And I think that's going to come back to bite them once Giroux starts to decline. He's still at a point where he can do somewhat, you know, decent load carrying on this team. But the second he starts to decline, he's another one. There is nobody after Giroud that's going to be able to carry that torch. Nobody. Oh, no. And they are fucked the second he retires, the second he slows down for good. Like, they're done. There's nobody to carry that torch. There's no fucking stars here. And I want to know what happened to his edge. After 10 years of fucking drafting under Ron Hextall and all oh, these first-round picks, oh, the prospects, oh, they're so great. They come up and they're just dudes. Nobody has that ability to steal a game. You know, it, it was always the next guy up, too. It was always, well, if Sam Rand doesn't make it, then we got Travis Sanheim. And if it's not Sanheim, then it's Provorov. And if it's not Provorov, then it's Myers. If it's not Myers, then it's... Like... Guy after guy after guy after after guy after guy after guy. Forward defenseman, nobody is a game changer. You just wasted seven years doing absolutely nothing. Nobody is on this team now that you could not have found in free agency or via trade or anything. Well, Daniel Konechny is 24 goals. I don't give a fuck. You're telling me, how, how, if I pull up last season's, last summer's uh, uh, free agent list, how many people do you think there are regular 25 goal scorers? At least a handful. Taylor Hall was available for Christ's sake, you know. Like be available you, again. Yeah, you like. There's no. <laughs> there are no fuck you players on the team. No, and like that's a, a that's time. a big problem for me. Like, I mean, you played hockey. Uh, I I played when I was younger as well. Like you know, when there is a high energy guy who is who is legitimately ready to sit there. At all times, whether you're up six nothing, down six nothing, down three games to none in a series, whatever it is, there is always a guy there that is that has that fuck you attitude. Like I'm not losing today, and neither are you. And you might lose, it might happen, but it's never going to be as a result of that human. We don't really have that. That used to be closure. Everyone, at least ten times a year, the the, the shift comes up. There from from Clojure where he sits there and he decks Sidney Crosby and then he gets that sweet goal ringing off the off iron there. Where is that? That doesn't exist for him anymore. And maybe at his age, it's something that that, that you can't do shift in and shift He's out. He's a dad now. <laughs> so, dude, it was before that. It's been the last like five six years. I, and Come again, I, I don't I don't care uh, about the whole captaincy thing. I I, I think he's you know. Captains, I think it is problem it is with, it is. with keeping the the core as close as you have. Is like there's been no fresh voices in the locker room. You know we're not in there. We don't know what goes on, but it's the sure. same fucking group of people that have been in there for years. You know, and they're as passive as they are, like Jake Voracek. You know, like who just don't give a shit. Like bring in a new guy. I think that's why Kevin Hayes whoa, made such whoa, a big whoa. difference last year. Is like Hayes, like he was such a ray of fucking sunshine because he's felt like he brought something to the table. How many behind the scenes clips have we seen? You know, waiting for the guys are waiting to go out on the ice and he's there yelling at people. You know, and it's like that's what I want to see. You need more of that. That's one guy that made a difference in 10 years. I don't get it. I just don't, like I said, there is this plague of passiveness that comes across this, anyone that puts on the flyer sweater, anyone that comes in here into this city and plays hockey. I, uh, I don't, I don't get it. A city that, that is far. Every time I say the word gritty, 
it pisses me off. <laughs> but like, so I got to eventually sit there and, you know, just look at the thesaurus of some sort. Um, but, but this city is that way, man. Like we, we, we hear that the blue collar thing and, you know, we, we respect the athletes who sit there and give it their all. I literally just watched Chase Hotley get hit by 156 pitches before we got on here. <laughs> oh, Why? Because it gets me hard. <laughs> it's awesome. I fucking love it. Like there are guys that just get it here in this city. Like there are athletes that walk into this city and fucking get it. And every time they step on the field or the ice or the court, that just pours off them. Like that is a palpable energy felt, not just by the teammates, but by the city and by the fans. That does not exist in Flyers hockey. It, I don't know the last time that it did. maybe I don't know maybe Ryan White sitting there saying that he would have booed the shit out of uh, and thrown wristlets too like maybe that was the last guy that had a little bit of edge to him. I don't get it, man. They don't exist, and this is a city that was built upon Broad Street Moldy's a team, not a city, built behind that thing. And right now we just got a bunch of nobodies. It's uh, it's fucking frustrating. And I know everyone's going to listen to the show and they're going to sit here and they think these are two really negative human beings talking about a hockey team that's still very much in the thick of things in a fairly decent division. And you're right. We are pretty fucking negative because we're also paying attention. You should too. I've been doing this for years and years and years and tired of watching the same goddamn product, knowing exactly how this is going to go. They're going to make the playoffs and get curb stomped by the fucking Islanders or Bruins. And some people will be happy. They'll get hot. That circle thing will come out that I still can't (laughs) figure out what they do. And they're going to be the, have the third best odds and everyone's going to get all wet. It's going to be excellent. And all of a sudden they're going to get bounced. God, I hate this team. I do hate this Stupid team. Sport. Fucking Carter Hart right now. Let's can we like we, we could talk about him at, at a certain point, right? Like sure. like he's not off limits. No, not on, right. nothing's off limits on these shows. Not well, that's true. Nothing is. But <laughs> I don't care. You never know. You don't want to cost yourself cost yourself listeners. I don't know. Oh, what are they going to uh, do? Cancel I don't know how many listeners. We'll get over it. So, oh yeah, you and Barstool. You're not going to like the two of you, no matter what it is that you do. And I know that you don't want to be compared to them in any particular fashion. No. However, <laughs> they don't get canceled. You don't get canceled. You are the, we the, just you keep are the two going cockroaches around of the universe. It's, it's brilliant. Um, but I, so I, I'm curious for for your side of this um, or just your take on him as a general. Do you view this as that sophomore slump kind of thing? Do you view this as as there are so much defensive breakdown and so much time and, and scoring chances in his own because of the people in front of him. Or are you starting to see confidence lapses, which is something we did not see previously from him? What, what are you chalking up this? Uh, not a great season from him. It's, I think it's a bit of both. I, I think he's having his own struggles, which, you know, even going back to the very early games of the year, like watching his play, we've, I've grown accustomed to him just being one of the, most positionally sound goalies in the game today and maybe of all time. And if you, you know, focus on him for any length of time, you can just tell when he's in the zone and when he's not in the zone. And he just hasn't been in that zone all year. And when he's not there and struggling as is, it doesn't fucking help when you have a team in front of you that can't play defense. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they're getting turned inside out every night and the turnovers and all this horse shit where you're not helping him out whatsoever. And I, I put out a tweet today and I know you're going to cringe at this name, but Steve Mason, like he was hated by this fan base at the end. And I just don't at understand. Like he statistically is top three in Flyers history in pretty much every goalie category ever. The guy was fucking great. That's- 
But he was a guy that got set up to fail every fucking year because the team was so shit in front of him. And people hate him because of it. And I'm seeing people turn on Carter Hart now, and it's the same thing. No matter how good he can be or what, you know, outside forces are working against him, people immediately go to the goalie. We're turning on a 22-year-old kid. Remember what happened last time we did that? Sergei Bobrovsky. (laughs) How many Vesnas does he have into his name now? Two? Three? Like He would have never done that in Philadelphia. Oh, I totally agree, by the way. There's no way he would have hit that peak in Philadelphia, but the same thing, you're going to trade Garner Hart away because he's going to get all all this pressure. He's going to go and do it in Anaheim or something. Like, I, 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 I... I don't get the hate for Hart. How can you turn on Carter Hart and simultaneously defend Shane Gossesbear's shitty defense? Like, you're not making any sense here, you fucking idiots on Twitter. Well, (laughs) I'll I'll tell you why. It's because, look, there are a reason goaltenders command the contracts that they command and command the attention. Like, you do not win in hockey without a really, really good goaltender. It just doesn't happen. It's the same thing in the NFL with quarterback. Like these, these are the two most important pieces in all of sports. Without those two pieces, those franchises do not win. And a lot of pressure comes with that. Obviously we ran Carson, Carson Wentz also partially ran himself out of town too. Um, You know, but, but there was, you mentioned outside things that, that, that went on in that situation. There are outside things here. But ultimately, as a goaltender, just as a quarterback, that is what you sign up for. And one of the things that impressed me beyond his positioning, which we, we've talked about at nauseum on, on these shows together, um, was always how poised he was and, and how just nothing ever seemed to rattle me. He, could, cool, I mean, calm, he has been – he I'm pretty sure he's been pulled out of like, I don't know, 15 games in his – you know nearly two year career at this point, the guy gets yanked constantly and he always bounces back. He just comes back out the next time that he's called for two goals or less, keeps you in the game, makes some stellar saves was what it was. That ain't this year. Like right now, this guy just like, you can see now, like he is playing like a guy who he knows that he needs to make absolutely every, every save. He has a fraction of a percent, the ability to make that save. And if something gets by, he looks mortified and defeated like that is not a guy that you see turn around anymore and reset himself with a fucking water bottle dot thing like that is a guy who looks like he is like shit it's about to happen again and then it does and then it's another weak goal or it's another pro i mean it was a good save last night on this particular one but pro rob just swinging it behind the boards and and, and just hoping to god someone's there and, and it was of gowdy Malkin. it was not a flyer mm. and he came in there and, and i mean the puck caught his glove. It wasn't really so much Carter making a save save, but regardless, like those are the things that happen. And he just looks like a guy who is just drowning every time he takes the ice. He's been pulled in seven of his 87 games thus far. That seems low. That's a, that's a false stat. It's really only seven games. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Fuck. Hmm. But, uh, Yeah, it's just it's the 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 confidence thing. There's no rebound effort, as you were alluding to. You know, he's piling on at this point, and yeah. and I I don't blame him entirely, but I kind of do. You know, like yeah, I he, mean... he needs to 
be better himself, but there's also the shitty fucking team in front of him that doesn't help anything, right? And, and it's kind of the mixture of the two, which is failing both sides. The defense looks extra bad because Hart's not stopping the things he needs to stop, and Carter Hart's not stopping the things he needs to stop because the defense is so goddamn bad. So it, it's two negatives that are coming together and just one big fuck you to the Flyers' defense as a whole. I do think a lot of it, too, comes from the stance of... of the entire city of Philadelphia is allergic to momentum when good things happen here. It is, it is just a legitimate law. The next thing that will occur will be bad. It is what it is. If you take the lead as a Philadelphia Philly, guess what? Your bullpen's coming in in the bottom half of the next inning. You're fucking losing it. If you are, if Jim Schwartz is your defensive coordinator, mercifully gone. If he is your defensive coordinator and your offense finally scores, you're giving it up the very next possession. That is what it is. And it's the same thing now that's happening here with the Philadelphia Flyers. It seems like no matter what, when we're finally generating shots, we finally get one in, great. The next time down the ice, it's within 60 seconds. It seems like almost every fucking time, whomever it is, scores against the Flyers, scores against Carter Hart, and then the floodgates open. And that seems to be such a big thing. It seems like so much of that collective breath was just let out when your offense finally gets you a goal closer and you're like all right we're right back in this thing it's three two happened multiple times last night but multiple times and you lose that edge because you take that deep breath you say thank fuck we're back in this game and then if you take that half second off 60 seconds down the ice again and and you got mark friedman assisting on a fucking goal (laughs) the let's see uh, Farabee scored the first goal last night in the second period at the 232 mark. The Penguins answered back at the 339 mark, buried him. Uh, Farabee scored again in the third period at the 11 minute mark. The Penguins responded at the 1208 mark. Yep. You know, just just a big fuck you. Not even I'm two minutes apart. You know, I'm pretty sure the goal announcements weren't even fucking made. No, they didn't get through with them yet. Uh, their upcoming schedule just sucks. I don't know if anybody's uh, looked at this but yet. But good. It, they, they, you need it to suck because you need moves to be made. You, they you need almost to figure need out to what sit. the fuck's going on here before the trade deadline. 100%. Yeah. They got the Penguins twice uh, tomorrow and Saturday. Then they play the Capitals three times their next four games. On uh, Sunday, Thursday, Saturday, there is a game against Buffalo in there on Tuesday. Uh, you get a back-to-back with the Rangers on Monday, Wednesday, the following week. And then you got three games against the Islanders. <laughs> you, know? you got the Penguins, the Caps, and the Islanders. Two of those three teams are also, above I you think... in the standings. And the Penguins are technically tied for the Flyers in points, but they've got a couple games in hands. That's why the Flyers are ahead right now. Like, those are three teams that, if you go in there and you lose the majority of those games, kiss the playoffs goodbye. <laughs> like it's a you're this make or break right now. You cannot go out there. But they're twelve. Are they eleven two and one or whatever the fuck they are against teams not named the Bruins? Well, it's time to put that fucking stat to the test now, ain't it? Side point to that thing. I'm really here for all of the the mini series. Yes. I hope they go to this forever. That is, there is, if you want the physical edge of hockey that has left this game, put back in. Play three games against the rival. Go beat the shit out of a shitty team like the the uh, Buffalo Sabers. Come back and play three games against another fucking rival. Shit gets intense. Like that is like that is a way to drive the energy back into hockey and drive the physicality back. Um, here for that. But in this stretch, you're right, man. Like y- you have a lot to figure out, and I I 
have a feeling we're going to figure it out and we're going to see this is clearly we are just not enough. This hockey team is just not enough. Um, and I do hope that uh, that you can sit there, that Chuck Fletcher can look back on his long tenure there in Minnesota and he can say, all right, you know what? Like I had opportunities in year X or Y, you know, there to make a particular move and I didn't. And we stayed a mediocre hockey organization in like hockey USA. And I failed that city. I'm in a new city, not letting it happen again. Hopefully we see some legitimate shakeup here. Um, I know that it's going to be tough given the cap situation and, and what you're going to have to have to try to move around to do. Um, but yeah, I, this is the stretch of games that's, that's going to show you whether or not you can go forward with this group right now and give them that legitimate one last shot or the pressures on Chuck Fletcher to be a general manager. Two games of your Penguins, then they have the Caps series, then the Islanders series. And then a month from now, on April 3rd... I don't ever want to play the Islanders again. Well, on April 3rd, they play the Islanders, then the Bruins, Bruins, Islanders, Bruins. <laughs> what a five-game oh. stretch that'll be in early See, April. that's the thing. We're sitting here and we're talking about a team that if you want to use the stat, you just used a minute ago, the 11-1-1, now 11-2-1, against anyone not named Boston. Uh they fucking exist. You still have to play them. If you are looking ahead into your schedule and you want to live by that 11-1-1, now 11-2-1, and you want to say, but we're a really good hockey team. That team just has our number. I challenge you to look at the schedule that Daniel just read and feel good about that because you shouldn't. Like I, I am like – I'm half a squirt out right now, man. I am ready to shit my pants because I don't want to play this fucking – this gauntlet of a schedule because this team ain't good enough. I didn't, by the way. I'm an adult. I can hold this thing. <laughs> okay. Good to know. <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh, man. And these games, 11-1-1, they've played the Sabres twice. They've played the Rangers twice. Uh, they The Devils twice. <laughs> like, not a lot of uh, serious competition yep. yet. The, the, the worst is certainly yet to come. Hmm. <sighs> Trade deadline is April twelfth, by the way. So they got uh, six weeks or so, something yeah. Like that. yeah. Which would be right in the middle of that five game uh, thing I read you there. So great, awesome, awesome. yeah, <laughs> fantastic. <sighs> and they'll win tomorrow, and everybody will be back on Twitter. Oh, never a doubt, guys. We're back on the Stanley Cup parade train. <sighs> yep, dude, I, it's hard, man. A I, fickle I, group, Flyers Twitter is. I, so I muted like all of, like all of the alerts on my phone because I don't want to be bothered by anyone ever about anything. <laughs> um, so like, I, I mean, even if I get a text message, my phone doesn't tell me anymore. Literally nothing outside of a phone call because I know no one is fucking calling me <laughs> except for telemarketers. Uh, so like nothing goes off anymore. And it's so peaceful. And like, I have to like literally think about Twitter to go on it and I'll walk, I'll, I'll open it up and I'll be like, Oh, this is a terrible place. That's why I muted my entire phone. Wonderful thing. Absolutely wonderful thing. And listeners, you did that. You all <laughs> it's suck. your fault. Yeah, if this wasn't my job, I uh, probably do the same thing. <laughs> That's the thing. I have I have podcasts I got to worry about. I'm, you know, just uh, it's with God now. See, half my gimmick is coming on here and shitting on certain people on Twitter, though. That's the problem. 
That is fair. That is fair. It is Emily seeing me. Hey, I did make a Twitter appearance last night when my lady sat there and commented something on your shit. <laughs> I called her an anus. I saw lovely. that. That was very mean. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Serves her right. <laughs> Listen to the show. What kind of supportive partner are you? Yeah, not really. <laughs> oh, shit. I only got all my uh, <clears throat> anger out for the night, I think. Actually, it's not yeah, true. Man. I could have kept going for like four hours, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could do a player by player thing right now. For oh the God! <sighs> Does Nolan Patrick get scratched tomorrow? <laughs> um, I would like to man, think so, uh, but it's not going to happen. They're going to scratch Bunneman instead. I just, I don't know. Like I, we talked about it. Uh, before the season, we had, what, five or six of your, your people from various shows on. Um, and I was just vehemently defending this man um, and saying, like, you do have to give him a shot. Um, and while I'm not ready to sit here and, you know, for the third time this episode, throw my hand in the air uh, <laughs> and say I was wrong, um, it's been disappointing. Um, while there have been, like, flashes here and there, um, there... He is just not the guy. He's not the guy that we got excited about. You know, when, when you sat there and you looked at his junior stuff, um, you saw the creativity, you saw the the speed, you saw the great hands. Um, you know, you, you saw the playmaking ability out of him, and you thought like this is a legitimate top line center for the next decade plus. Like, he is not that guy. Um, you know, am I prepared to say that there isn't a place for him at some point? Um, sure. You know, but like how many, how many more times does this need to happen? You know, you sit there and we, we thought, you know, Gammon Rubstoff, uh, Scotty Lawton, um, you, you take a look at it, Travis Konechny down to Holland Patrick. It, it's, I, I just don't, I don't get it, man. I, I, I don't right now. I'm not saying it with him. It's, it's disappointing because I, I know what player was there. Um, you know, but at a certain point, you know, there are athletes that just they do not have the ability to overcome the physical things that they uh, unfortunately had to go through. Um, and it just right now it's looking like that may be in it. Not full hand in the air. I'm like just twitching. But. <laughs> He's just I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt kind of the same way I am Lindblom. But I think the difference with Lindblom is like. He doesn't have expectations, right? Like yeah, he was he was very good in the 20 games or so last year before he, you know, got his cancer diagnosis, but I don't think that's who he was. I don't think, you think I, it was I, a raffle I don't, year? Yeah, I don't see Lindblom as a top-line winger. You know, he's he's a very good two-way kind of guy that can chip in offense in the right situations. And I think he was falling into the situations last year, and it looked better than it actually was. So he does have a bit you know, more expectations of the fan base. But realistically, I'm not disappointed with him, and there's still plenty of time for him to work back into this. With Patrick, it's like, I haven't seen anything. And I don't exactly have high expectations for him, but, I mean, at this point, he's, he's like your fourth-line center. You know, he's a guy that's not going to make many mistakes from a hockey perspective, but he's not going to actively contribute much either. I mean, he was on a line with Drew and Hayes, and his play did look better, but 
He was barely putting shots on goal in the last few games. No points, no assists, nothing. You know, it's like he'll have a couple good plays, but as far as can actively contributing and being a guy, like leave the second overall pick out of it just for a second. Just a hockey player. He's just a depth guy at this point. And that's so frustrating. I see people on Twitter that go, well, you know, he needs to develop more. And it's like, yeah, that's probably true. But from a Flyers perspective, you can't hitch your wagon to him anymore because you're waiting for something to develop further, right? You can't sit here and go, well, we got to wait another year and give it to him and see what happens, right? Because you don't have that time. What the fuck are we doing here if we're waiting for Nolan Patrick to develop and trying to build around him, simultaneously trying to win a fucking Stanley Cup, right? You know, you got to pick a route here. And if you want to cater to Patrick and let him develop, then be fucking sellers at the deadline and go get a couple high first round picks and do this shit all over again. Otherwise, you know... I don't know what you do with the guy. He's a restricted for agent at the end of the year. At this point, you could probably sign him for two or three years, basically league minimum, and just have him sit on your fourth line till the end of time. You know, like, is that how this story is supposed to go? I don't think so. That You know, you need a direction. And I don't feel like Patrick has a direction. There's only so many times you can put him with your top players on the lineup and nothing happens, right? You need to, well, to... it's because you also have to make that time for eight of your other forwards. You got Joel Farabee that needs time. That's actually producing from, you know, expanded minutes. And, you know, your wingers, they're connecting. You know, you got to start trying to figure what the fuck's going on with him. Like, he, Patrick is fine. And he was actually taken off the that line last night. He was taken off the second line. And Konechny was put up there later in the game when they needed some offense, which <laughs> tried to get an offense out of fucking Travis Konechny. But, like... He just sits in limbo right now, you know. I don't know what you do with Patrick, and and I'm you know. There's been a lot of revisionist history on Twitter about you know who people really wanted in that draft. Like I wanted Nolan Patrick. I was Everyone so happy Nolan with Patrick. exactly. And if you didn't want Nolan Patrick, you're lying. I wanted Nemiro Heiskanen. Bullshit. Nobody knew who the fuck Kale McCarr was back then. Like it was Nolan Patrick and Igor Heischer. That was it. I wanted Patrick. I was so fucking excited when they drafted Nolan Patrick. Yep. But. At some point, you have to wave the white flag here, much like he's done with his play, and, you know, <laughs> fucking move on from the guy. And, and you know, as far as the trade deadline goes, I don't know what kind of value he has. You know, he's a second overall pick. He's still, what, 22, 23 years old, so he's pretty young. He may have some value, but from a trade perspective, can his trade value get any fucking lower than it is right now? You know, like, there's no way. I, I see all these you know things on Twitter, these fucking wacky trade packages I see, you know. Give me Patrick and a third, and I want Jack Eichel back. You know? <laughs> it's just like, fuck off. Sure. Like, you know, it's this wacky shit, and, and I just don't know what you do with the poor kid, you know? But, no, no, no. Yeah, man. I There are, like I said, Philadelphia is, and I acknowledge this. I think we all would acknowledge this. It's, a, it's an incredibly difficult town to, to play in. It is an even harder town to create a second life for yourself you've whatever the circumstances were lost your first um you know a few guys brandon graham you know taking eight years to to develop and then all of a sudden he's brandon graham and he's one of the biggest plays in the super bowl in franchise history um you you can find like that guy you can count on one hand all across the way but it takes a particular kind of personality and i don't think and again, 
I am someone who has defended Nolan Patrick uh, earlier on in the show, continue to defend him on, uh, you know, as we went. Um, I don't know that he is right now in a, in a mentally tough enough space to find that second life in Philadelphia. Like it, it, it behooves all parties at this point to entertain a particular uh, or to entertain a trade. The problem is just like you said, Dan is the value there that you're going to get for him. It, the cost benefit analysis of this whole thing, again, it truly does make more sense for you because of what you would not be getting back for him to say, we're going to pay you a million and a half dollars a year for the next three years. And we're going to sit you on the, the third and fourth line. And it, if something comes to this, fucking great yeah but if it doesn't you're costing me a million and a half dollars and i'm getting a safe bottom six guy um is that going to be easy for him and easy for the fans no it's not but again you wouldn't sit there and say all right i'm gonna just i'm gonna ship him off for a sixth round pick like I, i just like that ain't it like that's not the move that's not a good business move the the better business move is paying him four and a half million dollars over three years um you know, to, to be a, a, a guy. Yeah. Poor Nolan Patrick. But, yeah. you know, fuck him. <laughs> Poor Nolan Patrick, but fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. My general approach to life these days. I'm sorry. <sighs> well, I think we'll call it a night here. I'll be back tomorrow morning with Anthony. We got uh, um, somebody on Matt Matt uh, Del Franks Matt Ballpark Franks I don't know where the fuck his name is but a Dallas Stars guy I'm gonna be talking Dallas Stars we had Flutish and Zhao on the show the other day covering the Bruins if you've not listened to that show yet uh, do so everybody the regular schedule will be back next week we're trying to move all these goddamn shows around here to make everything work but we're figuring it out don't worry that's what I do I figure out who the fuck. Goes you on figure out show. who they are the night before, clearly. <laughs> More or less. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, at Dan the Flyer fan, at Brotherly Puck, at Brotherly underscore pot, at Heart Countdown underscore with me. Little Countdown card arts wins, which are few and fucking far between these days. <laughs> his win uh, against the Sabres was his first win in 21 days. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He has not, uh, did not have one last night. I would assume Elliot starts tomorrow. Um, and then Hard gets the one on Saturday. But we'll see. See what the fuck goes on there. I guess I have to start a fucking Brian Elliott countdown win. Because he's the, the only one winning games these days. Stupid hockey team. Fucking 80-year-old Brian Elliott proving me wrong. God damn it, I hate that! <laughs> I do get irrationally angry when good things happen that that for players that I've... <laughs> Written off. my wagon against. <laughs> yes. Happened with JVR, now it's happened with Elliot. God. I would still year. prefer Henrik Lundqvist to the hard condition of Brian Elliott, but that's just me. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Shane, if people want to yell at you on Twitter and you'll ignore them, where uh, where can you find them? Whew. All right. I do check at least once a day. Twitters. <laughs> uh, you can find my personal. It's at Shane underscore Mead. And you can find the other podcast that I do. Uh, it's at Gentleman Pod. Or you could it, honestly you'll have a much better shot at reaching me uh, through the website. It's gentlemanpodcast.blog. Didn't know that was a thing, but dot blog is a thing. Where's cutout Daniel? 
Dude, I looked for when you stood up and walked away. Which, by the way, if that if you took a piss, that was the quickest piss in history. I just grabbed my phone. Oh, okay. So <laughs> when that happened, I did. I was like, "Well, stand-in's gone." So where'd he go? I don't know, dude. It's your studio. I know. <laughs> That's what I'm Daniel. <laughs> I hope you live alone. Shit, it's really uh... gonna start freaking some people out. <laughs> I don't know where he is. Did I move him? <laughs> Why would I move him? Huh. I'm gonna need to look at that. Um. Hmm. Sleep with one eye open tonight, I guess. Clearly. Jesus Christ. All right, everybody. Uh, hopefully this isn't the last show. <laughs> but uh, until next time, goodbye and.